0: Find Altoids in the checkout aisle.
1: Xfinity Voice Remote.
2: All right, everyone. Charles W. Chuck Bryant here on a wonderful, sunny Saturday afternoon everywhere. I can forecast into the future and guarantee that wherever you are right now, it is a lovely, wonderful Saturday afternoon. This one harkens back to June 4th, 2015, which was also a lovely sunny day, but probably just a Tuesday or a Thursday. This one is how ocean currents work. And it was super fascinating. Never knew anything about it. And now I do. And now you do too.
1: Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio.
0: Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark with Charles W. Chuck Bryant and Jerry, and this is Stuff You Should Know, the one about ocean
2: currents. (laughs) We should start titling our... uh Episodes like friends did.
0: Yeah, the one where Ross talks about ocean currents. (laughs) Yeah, the one where Chuck's eyes glazed over (laughs) I love this stuff man. Yeah, like earth science really gets me jazzed That's good. It really does like it's so Like it's very detailed. Yeah, there's a lot to it. It's often oversimplified, but Mm -hmm. it's also very understandable and when you really like learn about it, you yeah. realize what an elegant system the whole thing is. Sure. Maybe not necessarily a living organism, but yeah. I could see how someone would characterize it as such. Yeah.
2: I like that. It's a good intro. Yeah. That's what I got. <laughs> uh, so, yes. Tidal Ocean Currents. Well, not tidal. That's part it's, of the ocean current system. It's a type of current. Yeah. It's under the current umbrella. I've misspoke in the first 10 seconds. I think <laughs> it's funny that in this
0: article, the... The word current refers to the motion of water when speaking of water.
2: Is that what it says? Yeah. (laughs) When speaking of water, the word current refers to the motion of the water. Yeah. Yeah. That was a little clumsy. Miriam's defines. Yeah. Uh, Well, this is about ocean currents. There are all kinds of currents. River currents. Yeah. Uh, You know, there's currents in marshes and swamps and currents all over the place. But uh, this is about ocean currents. Yeah,
0: as long as water's not stagnant, there's currents present.
2: Yeah, and if it's stagnant, it's bad news, Right. Jack. Mosquitoes, disease. Sure. All but that, then again, all that junk. you can make the,
0: the case that if it's not stagnant, if, if there's a current, it'll carry your car away
2: in the blink of an eye. Don't even think yeah. about it. Boy, did you see the photos of the downtown connector the other day in Atlanta mm. when it flooded? No. Apparently, the storm drains backed up and. Uh, the downtown connector of Atlanta was a lake. Wow. Like, it literally stopped traffic.
0: I can believe that.
2: Yeah. People in Atlanta don't know how to drive in the rain to begin with. Oh, I, I, I don't know about that. Really? Yeah, that's all we do is drive in the rain. Man. People in L.A. don't know how to drive in the rain. Seems
0: to me like everybody's brain just drops a couple of gears when rain starts, and everyone starts, like, bumping into everybody else and, like, driving mm-hmm. at two miles an hour. and
2: you you just like... Pedal to the metal. Yeah. What's different?
0: All the time. <laughs> I got good tires. Yeah. Looks as like you like tire stores, right? No, I don't like tire stores, oh, but I'm willing right. to spend time there to get good tires. Yeah. That move water away from my car so I can... We drive really fast, no matter what the weather. Is. You should start your hold retirement. On, hold on, I want to point out. Jerry just sighed heavily <laughs>
2: at this tangent. I think you should, your retirement business should be Josh's Tire House Emporium. Yeah, and then have a really sweet setup. We'd be like buying tires here is like no place else on earth. Oh yeah, that's you a good got idea. Wi-Fi. You got a coffee machine. Well, there's like, a coffee machine. Well, tire no, places. I mean a barista. Oh, gotcha. Like a you know a little mini Starbucks right there in your tire shop. Sure. Have games. Have uh, icebreakers, meet and greets. Yeah.
0: I could serve icebreakers gum, too.
2: You could have Tinder tender Day. Okay. You what know? else? Well, I don't know. That's, I about, that's all I got.
0: aromatherapy would be
2: good. Yeah. That'd be a big one. <laughs> Massage? Yeah.
0: All right. Well, that's, my, that's my plan B. All right. Josh's Tire Warehouse Emporium, I think, is what we came up with. Sure. Josh's big house of tires. <laughs> or house of big tires. <laughs> nice. Okay, so ocean currents. <laughs> yeah. We're back uh, to it. So, um... One of the things that I did not realize, Chuck, when researching this, is that ocean currents—they're—they're old, but they—they aren't permanent. They haven't always been around. Yeah, currents change. You know, some currents have been at it for thousands and thousands of years. Other currents change month to month. They're very fickle in some cases. Yeah, but there are some really ancient currents, some ancient ocean currents out there that are. very old and have been this way since say like um like the Gulf Stream has been around for about five million years, ever since the isthmus of Panama yeah. closed. Yeah. Pretty cool stuff, huh?
2: Yeah, I think what I found the most interesting was that ocean currents, uh they have a purpose. You know? It's yeah. not just like water moving around willy nilly. Right. You know, if it wasn't for ocean currents, there would be no life in Antarctica. Right. Uh, well, maybe not all of Antarctica, but no ocean marine life. They well, make that
0: possible. B- but that's a, that's a, an important point. Like, if there's no ocean marine life, then there's no, like, say there's no phytoplankton. Sure. If there's no phytoplankton. There's no fishies eating the phytoplankton. Yeah. If there's no fishies around to eat the phytoplankton. There's no seals to eat the fishies. Yeah. If there's no seals, like, everything finds its support, its basis. Mm-hmm. In the ocean life. Absolutely. That's all supported by the currents. That's right. So the fact that it has purpose is very teleological of you, Chuck. Thank you. So uh, let's not put this off any longer. Let's talk about different types of currents. You can't talk about tire stores anymore? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. We're done with the tire stores. Like I started to get nauseated just talking that much about tire stores.
2: Oh, really? Man. All I, right. I don't feel good. Well, uh, let's start with surface currents then, buddy. I'll bring you back to the to the ocean. Earth science, your, your home. Earth sciences that you love. Uh, surface currents occur about three to four hundred meters um, deep and above. That's yeah. why they're called surface currents, right?
0: And they're driven by the wind.
2: Yeah, they they make up for about ten percent of the ocean. And um, if you've ever gone to the beach, you've seen coastal currents, um, surface currents. There's a couple of types. Coastal is one of them. You've seen them in action, right? Like playing in the sand as a little kid. Or as an adult, you're, you're seeing coastal surface currents at work. Right. So let's step back one more degree.
0: So surface currents are created by wave action. That's right. Especially coastal currents are created by wave action. Yeah, which is created by wind. Waves are created by wind. Mm-hmm. And you know Buckminster Fuller, the inventor of the geodesic dome, among other yeah. great things? Sure. He was the person who pointed out that the wind doesn't blow— the wind sucks. That's a good point. Right? So, and, uh, so if coastal currents begin with waves, waves begin with wind, wind begins with heat. Mm-hmm. Because at the equator, you have a lot of sunshine all year round, and it's very warm. Yes, it is. As anyone who's been near the equator can attest. Um, and that heat heats up air, and as the air heats up, it moves away from the equator It's like, I got to go cool off. Yeah. It moves toward the poles, north and south. Mm -hmm. And as it moves toward the poles, it it cools down and turns back around. It's like, I need to heat back up at the equator. Yeah. Right? And as a result of this, you have wind. And this wind pushes on the surface of the water, transfers some of its energy in the form of friction to the water surface, and creates waves. And those waves transfer the energy to the shoreline. And when they come in at an angle... That's when you get that coastal current, right?
2: Yeah, like if you've, uh, again, if you've ever been to the beach and you see the tide or the waves coming in at that angle and you see it moving uh, with the beach, like if you've ever been out playing on like a raft as a little kid, Uh you look up an hour later and your parents are like half a mile down the beach from where you started. It's a bit of a panicky situation.
0: It is. And also you're like, what kind of parents do I have that they just let me drift half a mile?
2: Yeah. They're, you know? they're passed out in the sand at that point. Yeah. Uh, so that is called when, when uh, a, a wave breaks on the beach at that angle, it's going to pull sediment and sand and water down in what's known as a longshore current. That is, uh, it's directed off parallel, also perpendicular, but the parallel movement is the longshore uh, current.
0: Yeah, it's like when a wave comes in at an angle to the shore, yep. it distributes its energy, part of it directly onto the shore, part of it parallel to the shore. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that longshore current, like you said. And one of the things that it does, you also said, is it takes that sand and other stuff and deposits it elsewhere further down. And along the way, it creates things like barrier islands and sandbars and all that stuff and this ever-shifting, ever-moving, um, eroding and depositing of sand and sediment. And those little underwater and sometimes above water deposits – create other types of currents, specifically a riptide current.
2: Yeah, um, that's the longshore drift. And um, like if you've ever seen like the beach curve back in pretty hard, the, the water can't make that turn really. So it's just going to deposit stuff and sort of drop it off there at the end of that point. Right. And it'll build up in uh, what's known as a spit. Right. And, and so uh, yeah.
0: all of those uh, the, all those obstructions... Um, all of those deposits form obstructions for waves when they're going back out. Once they transfer their energy, they're like, oh, I'm pretty far inland. I need to get back out to the ocean. Yeah. And so it backs up, beep, beep, <laughs> right? hmm And as it does, it encounters these underwater barriers that it itself have deposited. It's kind of a big ironic moment. And so it can't get back out to sea as fast as it wants because it's running in these obstructions. And when there's like a break in the obstruction, like a sandbar or something like mm-hmm. that, a break in the sandbar, it provides a natural funnel, and that creates a riptide current.
2: Yeah, like, hey, look at that little narrow channel. I'm going to take all this water that would normally just flow out nice and easy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to send it through there, and uh, I'm going to grab your little kid and take it— Take them with me,
0: right? It, it this it creates basically suction, just like when you open a drain in
2: a bathtub and it starts to drain, it it drains pretty quick. Yeah, it's dangerous. Like you, you that's how you drown when you're swimming in the ocean. Right? You hear about strong rip currents and uh, inclement weather, and um, it's no joke. Even really good swimmers can get caught in a rip. Current oh yeah, and uh, it's bad news. Riptide, very bad news. Oh, yeah. Um,
0: and then there's some other. Currents that are created that um, don't just occur at the at the shore, but they do they occur in the ocean and at the shore. Yeah, there's this thing called upwelling. Yeah, I like this stuff. And upwelling can happen in a, a few different ways, but as far as the coast is concerned, when wind comes in and it basically blows water away from an area.
2: Yeah, like from the shore.
0: Right, water likes to try to even itself out. So as some water is blown away from the surface. It, the stuff that's below it, the deeper water, mm-hmm. will come
2: up and basically replace it. Yeah. And that's upwelling. Yeah, it's another, like what stri- strikes me when you look at wind and all these currents, everything is circular almost. Right. So, so a lot of spinning going on.
0: Yeah, there's a really um, distinct relationship between wind and water. It's inseparable, Yeah. especially when you're talking about global winds and currents together, right? Yeah. But it, both of them are broken down to fluid dynamics. And they do form these circles and cycles and clockwise motions and counterclockwise motions depending on where you are in the world.
2: Yeah, and in the case of upwelling and downwelling, it's not a uh, horizontal spin, but it is a vertical um, from top to bottom and then from bottom back up to the top. Yeah, and you want to talk about um, that was which one? Well, both. It's the same pattern from top to bottom and bottom to top with upwelling and downwelling.
0: Right. And the the, the whole thing about upwelling and downwelling, whether it's at the shore or in the ocean, um, is that it, the ocean is kind of, it's not, like if you take a slice of ocean at the top and you take a slice of ocean at the bottom. Very different. And you look at them, yeah, under a microscope or test them for whatever, you know, using some sort of, A spectroscope, (laughs) maybe some sort of oscillator, Glavin or something like that. Yeah, or just look at it. Yeah, you're going to find that there's it's like two different types of water, even though it's from the same part, it's from the same section of ocean, right? Yeah. And the stuff at the top is going to be very oxygen rich. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a lot of life, phytoplankton, that kind of stuff. Um, But not too many nutrients. The stuff at the bottom is going to be lousy with CO2.
2: Yeah, cold.
0: Yeah, very cold and a lot of nutrients, right? Mm -hmm. And when both of these things are needed at different spots. Yeah. So the upwelling and the downwelling creates this kind of gas exchange and nutrient exchange throughout the ocean. Mm -hmm. And the oxygen at the top when it's deposited down lower thanks to downwelling – all of that oxygen circulates downward through the ocean and all the fishies that need oxygen in their gills get to breathe it in,
2: right? Yeah, and with upwelling, uh, like I mentioned earlier, in Antarctica where it's super cold and you would not expect uh, marine life to do so well, it is because of the upwelling uh, that brings that nutrients from the bottom up to the top yep. in that cycle, and that's called life.
0: And one other really neat thing about upwelling and downwelling is um, that oxygen that's at the top of the ocean. Were it to just sit there for very long and dissolve, we would have a very big problem because all of that life, once it dies, would decay very quickly up top.
2: Yeah, that's not good.
0: No, it wouldn't because anaerobic bacteria would begin to thrive and we'd have a overabundance of hydrogen sulfide, which would lead to ocean acidification, which
2: would mean the end of the world, basically. Yeah, so that nutrient swap is very important for everybody on the planet.
0: Yep, and there's this elegant solution to the oceans that happens every day, everywhere in the ocean, thanks to upwelling and downwelling.
2: All right, well, that's a good start, my friend. Um, My eyes are not glazed over, actually. Good. They're sharp, full of life. Um, We will talk after this break about some more... Uh, surface Currents.
0: All right, game off. Let's pause here to talk more about Monopoly Go. Because in Monopoly Go, you can team up with your friends for timed tournaments, where you work together to build up each other's boards. It's very
2: nice. That's right. And the more you win together, the more awesome prizes you unlock. And there's so much to get. That's right, there's always something fun to discover in Monopoly Go. So get off the bench and go download it now for free on Google Play or the App Store. Game on!
0: Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today.
1: Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.
2: All right, Josh. There's more than one kind of surface current. Uh, we covered the... I, I kind of like that first part, but there's also surface ocean currents. Yeah. And uh, again, the wind is the big uh, contributor to how these babies form. Right. Um, and specifically... Uh, I guess we should talk about the Coriolis effect.
0: Yeah, this is a this is a, a game changer, as people who read self help books on airplanes would call it, right? <laughs> so they- yeah. So um, again, it all starts with heat, and all that heat is uh, found in its uh, thickest part at the equator. And my brain is broken,
2: <laughs> so at the equator it's the hottest right that's right, and it's also also uh spinning faster at the equator than at the poles
0: right it is okay so um it's the spin- earth that is yeah. Yeah. yeah so um at the equator it's hot it's spinning faster because of the spin because of the heat the um ocean is actually about eight centimeters high higher here than at the The rest of the ocean. Yeah, that's so much higher. So there's a, (laughs) right, it's just enough to make water flow away from the equator. Plus, you've got wind that's whipped up because hot air at the equator starts moving northward and cools down, and that creates wind, Mm -hmm. right? So if the Earth didn't rotate, you would still have these things, but wind would travel in a straight line away from the equator toward the poles, cool down, and turn around and come back in a straight line.
2: That's right, but that's not the case.
0: No, it isn't, because the Earth does rotate, and it produces the Coriolis effect.
2: Yeah, it's like a curve, basically. It uh, curves to the right in the northern hemisphere and to the left in the southern hemisphere.
0: Right, so it makes wind curve. And since wind drives surface currents, it makes surface currents curve as well, right? That's right. So what's really cool is the ocean has its own topography, Oh yeah, it's it's definitely not flat. Anybody who's looked at an ocean could be like, oh, it's pretty choppy. But if you if you could step back even further, and you had the right kind of t- topographical glasses on, maybe <laughs> yeah, you would see that there's like valleys and, o- and and mountains, and maybe not mountains, but little tiny hills and valleys. In the ocean. Yeah. So, like I said, it has its own topography. And this is created by those winds that push on the water. And as they're pushing the water up and the Coriolis effect is turning it some, water starts to kind of mound. So, in some parts of the ocean, you have water that forms a mound that's about like three to six feet tall.
2: Yeah, it, it doesn't sound uh, intuitive
0: No, think I don't of think of water
2: mounding up on itself.
0: You think of it as flat.
2: Yeah. But there is actually
0: water that's mounted up into little hills. Yeah. Okay. And so that means that gravity wants to push this water downward, right? Mm-hmm. But it doesn't just go back down the hill because the Coriolis effect pushes it upward. And the net outcome is that instead the water just says, uh, how about I just go around instead? Yeah, You stay up here on the mound, you stay down here, but I am going to just go around. And what it does is, since a mound is roughly circular, it creates a current that goes around these things, around these mounds. And there's five major ones in the entire world. I know where you're headed. And they
2: form what are called gyres. That's right. G-Y-R-E-S. And um, they are the North Atlantic, South Atlantic, North Pacific, South Pacific. And then the Indian Ocean has its very own gyre. Yes. Uh, there were smaller ones around Antarctica, but those are the five major gyres. Uh, we talked about the Gulf Stream earlier. That is a part of the North Atlantic gyre, and it carries 4,500 times the water of the entire Mississippi River. Yeah. The Gulf Stream does. Yeah, the Gulf Stream is... Uh, it's is, like the hero of all gyres. It is. It, it
0: moves... Um, let me see. I've got to find this one because this is so amazing. So the, the Gulf Stream... At any given point, it moves water at a rate of 15 superdomes worth per second. So you remember the the superdome? In Louisiana? Yes. Sure. Say you filled it with water. Okay. (laughs) And then you took that and copied uh... it 15, 14 more times. Uh Uh-huh. So you have 15 superdomes full of water. Uh Uh-huh. That's how much water passes through any given point per second in the Gulf Stream. All right. That's
2: a lot of water. How many Big Macs is that?
0: It's trillions of Big Macs. <laughs> billions and billions served. But the the, the Gulf Stream itself is actually, um, it's technically the western boundary current of the North Atlantic Gyre.
2: Yeah, and it's going to carry uh, warm water. It's, it has a big impact on the world. It's going to carry warm water uh, up north from the Gulf of Mexico, And that's uh, why if you're living on the east coast of Florida, Mm -hmm. you're going to have cooler summers and warmer winters. Um, Western Europe is going to be a lot warmer than other places on its uh, exact same latitude. And this is all because of the Gulf Stream. Right. You can deposit bodies in it if you're Dexter. Yeah. And those things are going to, yep, see you later, body. Yeah, it'll probably get carried to
0: England and they'll be like, blimey, what is this? Uh, so that's just the Gulf Stream. There's actually at least four major currents that form the boundary currents of the North Atlantic Gyre. Yeah. And the North Atlantic Gyre is just one. We've also talked about gyres before with the Great Pacific Garbage Patch.
2: Yeah, we covered, did we do waves or did we just do rogue uh, waves? We did
0: rogue waves. We did surfing. rogue waves too, but we covered waves and surfing, I okay. believe. Okay, yeah, 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 I remember that. Um, but these these boundary currents are, are created, again, in part by the the winds flowing away from the um, equator, the Coriolis effect turning the waves, and the mounds of water circulating the waves around them. Yeah. So you've got these, like, just clockwise or counterclockwise, depending on which hemisphere you are, currents that are just massive that move water around. And, again, they cycle nutrients. Like you said, they affect the weather because they deposit warm water from the south. Mm Mm-hmm. Up to all the way up to England, apparently. Um, so you know, England is on the same latitude as like um, some glacial parts of Canada. Yeah, that makes sense. But their their winters are like nothing compared yeah. to that. You know. Thank you, Ocean. Same thing as uh, Bermuda is very temperate. Uh huh. Has very nice climate, and it's on the same latitude as North Carolina, which is, you know, it can get kind of cold there. Oh, yeah, sure. That's all thanks to the Gulf Stream. Thank you, Gulf Stream. And if you want to thank the Gulf Stream, Chuck, you can thank Ben Franklin because he's the one who named it. Oh, really? Yeah, as the first Postmaster General of the United States, mm-hmm. he wanted to figure out why mail took so many more weeks longer to get from England to the U.S. than it did from the U.S. to England.
2: Because they're, they're going against traffic.
0: Exactly. But he didn't know that. Yeah. And he found out, and he took some measurements and roughly charted the Gulf Stream back in the 18th century. Man, he was a smart dude. He really was. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. I didn't know he dabbled in oceanography. But again, the Gulf Stream, amazing, and it's just one boundary current of one major gyre.
2: Yeah, it's kind of uh, hypnotic if you look at these motion maps of global motion maps of, like, trade winds and ocean currents. Yeah, I it's could watch those like, videos all day. Yeah, it's just stuff spinning around and, like, traveling around, and it's really, it's soothing.
0: And especially when they do, like, uh, heat gradients or topographical gradients, so mm-hmm. it's really colorful, too, and it's ever-shifting. Oh, yeah. You can just I get a little drool out yeah. of the corner of my mouth when I watch those. It's about as good as watching Fantasia. Um, there's one other thing we should say about those surface currents is they drag on the water below them, right? Mm-hmm. So the wind is transferring its energy to the the surface of the water.
2: Yeah, and it drags a little bit less the deeper you go.
0: Right. Apparently though, the current, the the motion of water um usually goes in opposition to the motion of wind. Uh-huh. So what you end up having, if you could take a column slice from top to bottom of the ocean, yeah. you would find that the water ultimately is making a very long downward spiral. Yeah. So, and that's called the
2: Ekman Spiral. Yeah, that, there's a graphic of that that looks pretty neat as well. Pretty neat, too. Again, mesmerizing stuff.
0: Yep. So, Chuck, um, after this, we will talk about the global conveyor belt. That's my favorite part, I think. Okay, Ken. Okay. All right, game off. Find Altoids in the checkout aisle.
1: Xfinity Voice Remote.
2: All right. My favorite part of ocean currency. Yeah. Ocean currents. It works. Uh, the deep ocean current, a.k.a. the global conveyor belt. It is fascinating to me. Um, if you're talking about this is about 90% if the surface currents are about 10% about ninety percent of the ocean's water uh, is a part of the deep ocean current and we can't see it um, because we're up here on earth and we are not deep under the water it's invisible to us right but um, it circles the globe at a force 16 times as strong as all of the world's rivers combined which is again still
0: not as much as the um, the the Gulf Stream yeah still pretty impressive it's pretty impressive yeah um, but it's slow, so like water, it moves super water slow. a few centimeters a second. Yeah. Whereas the Gulf Stream moves waters at like a couple hundred centimeters a second.
2: Yeah, I think the conveyor belt. Uh, they said like uh, one patch will take a, a thousand years mm-hmm. to to completely, complete rem- yeah, around yeah the circuit.
0: Yeah, and it <laughs> takes ten years for a uh, water to make a, a full
2: circuit on the North Atlantic Gyre. Yeah. So ten years. Yeah. And then a thousand years. Right. Wow. Yeah. Um, so, the global conveyor belt, it is uh, driven by density, which I think is pretty interesting. Um,
0: yeah, because up to this point, it's all been driven by wind, which is ultimately driven by heat. This yeah. is also driven by heat in a, a way, but in a completely different way.
2: Yeah, heat and salt. Um, thermohaline circulation, the thermo being heat uh, and haline being salt. Uh, warm water holds less salt. So, what happens is, like, let's say you're in the Antarctic and water freezes to form an iceberg, or water evaporates. Either way, salt is not going to be a part of that equation.
0: No, the salt is left behind as the water freezes, and, you you know, icebergs aren't salty, they're fresh water.
2: Yeah, so the salt is left behind. It's got to go somewhere. Um, It is going to be very dense at that point, so it is going to be cold and dense and sink to the ocean floor.
0: Right. So remember back when Constantly we were talking sinking. about right, and we were talking about um, coastal um, coastal currents mm-hmm. and upwelling and downwelling. Yeah, this plays a part. When water sinks, other water moves in to replace it, and so what starts off here, and this actually I think starts around the North Pole, definitely in the North Atlantic, um, as that water sinks and moves downward, it creates it starts this current that goes all the way around the world, and again takes a thousand years to
2: complete. Yeah, it just kickstarts it basically. And um, it's called the conveyor belt, I think, because it never stops moving and it's super slow.
0: Yeah, I kept getting that. Remember that, um, whatever, that Bugs Bunny assembly line song? Like, it was always the same. Like, dude, I don't remember that. I can't remember it either. Now I have our theme song in my head. I'm trying to think <laughs> about it. But there's like anytime Bugs Bunny messed around on a conveyor belt or something, they <laughs> yeah. used the same, like, composition. Oh, really? Yeah. I'll try to find it.
2: All right. So, uh, once this water hits Antarctica, it, the, basically the same ha- thing happens all over again. The cold water is going to split, uh, some of it heads to the Indian Ocean, some heads to the Pacific, hmm. and this upwelling and downwelling, this cycle just starts all over again.
0: Yeah, as it as it moves closer to like the Indian Ocean and the Pacific, it, it gets closer to the equator, the water starts to warm up, uh, it loses some of its salinity, it starts to thin out a little bit, and so it rises. And when it does, it takes all those nutrients and all that CO2 mm-hmm. up with it. And it's very much like the gas exchange that occurs in the human cardiopulmonary system, right?
2: Yeah, it was, it's, it's not homeostasis, but it almost feels like that. If, if you took the whole
0: system overall, yeah, it's homeostatic for sure. Yeah. But it's like that by this exchange, this transfer from one part to another, from mm-hmm. the deep ocean to the surface. Yeah. Um, and and this this. As it reaches the surface and it depletes its nutrients, it's carried back around. Um, it basically tries to go up, hits um, Alaska, Russia, Asia, North Asia, Northeast Asia, mm-hmm. and um, turns back around and goes ends up finally back in the North Atlantic up near the North Pole.
2: And gets cold and starts all over
0: again. Right, and by the time it gets there, it's basically nutrient depleted and it sinks and it starts to recharge again.
2: That's right. And that um, just
0: like blood in your in your cardiopulmonary system. It yeah. gets depleted, it ends up going past the lungs, it transfers out CO2, it gets in oxygen. This is just the opposite. This is transferring out oxygen and gaining CO2 and nutrients.
2: That's a good way to feel connected to the earth when you start looking at things like that, you know? Yeah. Like it's not so different. It's it, I mean, we're all connected, man. <laughs> Uh and again there's a big uh nutrient swap meet happening as well with the uh conveyor belt, uh like we were talking about, and uh basically kinda has the same effect as those surface uh currents do. Yeah. As far as exchanging the the oxygen and the CO two and right. the nutrients and just moving everything where it needs to be. Yeah. Um I thought this was pretty cool in this article.
0: Um the, it talks about there's also a density driven a thermohaline current in the Mediterranean because the Mediterranean is apparently saltier than the Atlantic. Oh yeah. And as a result, this gradient. Anytime you have a difference in something, whether it's height, mm-hmm. temperature, um, salinity, yeah, density. It, homeostasis is the ultimate goal, so it's going to try to go toward the middle from higher to lower. Yeah. And this is the same thing. So it creates that oceanic current. And apparently in World War II, subs would um, run silent by going in and out of the Mediterranean without their engines on, just using that current.
2: Oh, really? Yeah. So they would uh, run like silent, a, like a glider. run deep. Run silent, run deep. Exactly. Wow. That's frightening. All right. Are we at tidal currents?
0: You don't have to be frightened. It was years ago. <laughs> yeah, we're at tidal currents. I, I think. bet they
2: still do that. No? There's no submarines anymore. <laughs>
0: We haven't been at war
2: for years. They retired all the submarines. Yeah. Um, all right. Tidal currents uh, are generated by the tides. Um, we did talk about, um, like we said, I think, in the rogue waves and surfing about tides and waves. Yeah. And um, the gravitational pull of the moon and the sun, but more of the moon because the moon is closer, Yeah. is what's going to cause that bulge on the sides, and is going to drive uh, the water level um At that bulge, basically, it's going to decrease, it's going to increase where it's aligned with the moon Mm -hmm. and decrease at the halfway point between those two places.
0: Right. And so, and it's always changing because the moon, the position of the moon and the sun and the earth are always changing, but they change in a very predictable manner so we can predict when the tides happen. But if you just took a snapshot at any given point of the um, tidal effect, yeah. right? And uh, if you imagine that the moon is on one side, the sun is on one side, and the earth is on the middle, it, the the world's oceans around the earth f- stretch out on the sides mm-hmm. and um, because of that gravitational pull. And just imagine that it's always like that. It's always just this elliptical oval shape the world's oceans are. And then the, the earth, the dry earth, is spinning within that. Yeah. And so the land masses on the earth are always coming in and out of that bulge. And so they're going from higher to lower tide. It's kind of, it just makes it easier for me, rather than to think of the oceans moving around the earth, to think of the earth spinning within the ocean. Yeah. And that causes the change in, in tides. That
2: does something for you? Does it all the way? <laughs> uh, and these are different than uh, the other currents we talked about because they're not. It's not a continuous stream, and uh, they switch directions. That's the high tide and low tide, and um, it doesn't impact like the ocean current that much. It's shoreline stuff.
0: Yeah, but it's pretty important. I mean, like uh, fish fishies lay eggs. And uh, low tide will pull those uh, eggs out into the open ocean and those fish, uh, they'll hatch. Yeah. It also brings food in from the ocean into like uh, marshland and that kind of stuff. Yeah, or washes up jellyfish.
2: Yep. And to delight the children on the beach. Yes, but don't touch them. You
0: can just look. (laughs)
2: Uh, And when the tide is rising, um, that flow is directed toward the shore. Uh, That's called the flood current. you have heard about that flood and the ebb. And the ebb is when it's directed back out to sea. That's right. And that makes it all very predictable. Like you said, we can go to the beach and listen to the tide report. That's also a very relaxing thing to do. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Listen to that, like the AM, like fishing and uh, charts (laughs) and tidal reports. Yeah. It's very relaxing for me. I like it. I remember growing up
0: listening to, like, grain future reports and hog reports and stuff like that. Pork bellies? Yeah. Pork futures? Yeah. Um, Chuck, just a couple more things. So, like, there are plenty of other currents, and there's also plenty of other wind patterns that drive these currents. They do things like create the El Nino. Yeah. Which basically takes weather, thunderstorms and stuff, around the equator and moves them in different places that we're not used to, which can lead to droughts and floods, depending on where you are. And then also there's a lot of concern among scientists who who know about this kind of stuff. That um, changes uh, climate change is going to is going to ultimately (laughs) and negatively affect the global conveyor belt. Yeah, because as um, as the Earth warms up, uh, more and more icebergs are going to melt, creating much less salinity. Yeah, and since the the water will be less saline um, and warmer, it's going to sink less, and so that global conveyor belt that relies on cold dense salty water to sink to get it started is going to slow. Yeah. And that could be bad because remember it's all that's the global nutrient exchange.
2: Yeah, that wouldn't be good.
0: No, because then the phytoplankton dies, and again when the phytoplankton dies, yep. the fishies die, the seals die. The polar bears are upset. Well the poor seals die either way. Yeah. That is very sad.
2: Yeah. You got anything else?
0: No, that's it. That's ocean currents. Uh, If you want to know more about ocean currents, you can type those words into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And since I said search bar, it's time for listener
2: mail. Uh, I'm going to call this uh, French speaker. Um, Doesn't like our heavy metal music interludes. (laughs) There's a few people out there who don't. So here we go. I'm going to read this just as it came. I like you very much. Sorry for my bad English, but I speak French, so it compensates. I have a little problem I feel like I need to tell you. Please don't take it the wrong way. I have had problems to sleep for a while now, and I found that listening to podcasts helped me a lot. I put my iPod under my pillow while it plays, or I put only one head sound thing in one ear. (laughs) Uh, I love your podcast because it's very interesting, intelligent, and also your voices are nice and you are never yelling. So I do fall asleep every single time. This is a good thing, I swear. Of course, it takes me three or four times to listen to all of it. Usually I re-listen to it in the car. Now my problem. Why do you have to put loud, heavy metal music for a break? I always wake up in panic when it starts. I do want to continue to listen uh, to you at night. I really do. So you have two choices. Either you don't change your music and think of me every time and laugh, or you change it for something, let's say, nicer. Maybe in exchange, I'm sorry, exchange, I could give you pickup lines in French. Au revoir. Au revoir? Au revoir. Daniel.
0: I have to say uh, hats off, Daniel, because Beret, I could not write, off. I couldn't <laughs> write that in French. Oh, well, no, you don't speak French, do you? Un <laughs> Piquito. Perfect uh thanks a lot danielle we will uh consider removing the heavy metal music which we did before and then we brought back because other people are like bring back the heavy metal music so yeah. we're kind of caught between a yeah. rock and a hard place caught between an amp and a hard place Yeah. yes uh if you want to let us know how you feel about our music or anything else you can tweet to us at syskpodcast you can join us on facebook.com slash stuffyoushouldknow. You can send us an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, stuffyoushouldknow.com.
1: Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts myHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
0: Find Altoids in the checkout aisle. Grab your tin today.